0: The first time that you go through a coaching session, if it's a good one, it's kind of a spiritual experience. You know, it's very, very intense. And that is what happened to me. And after that day, I said, I want to learn coaching. I'm going to do whatever it takes to learn coaching.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Scrum Master Careers Podcast, where you can learn from real Scrum Masters how to start, advance, or change your career as a Scrum Master. My name is Simon, and I'm a freelance Scrum Master. My mission is to support you to become a more impactful Scrum Master in less time. Check out www.scrummastercareers.com to get even more tips and tricks for a bigger impact on your team. This episode is sponsored by Read It For Me. Read It For Me is a book summary service for busy leaders that features the most important books in the area of leadership and self-development. I have used Read It For Me for over four years now, and I found it very, very practical. I use it for inspiration, to get up to speed with the latest books on team building and self-development, and I also use it for the teams that I work with. All in all, it's a very practical tool for me as a Scrum Master. As a listener of this podcast, you get a special discount when you go to me/simon. And sign up for one of their membership offers. Again, that is www.readitfor.me/slash Simon. Now, let's start the show. Welcome, Alex, to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. The listeners don't know but we actually met two more or less two years ago. And you're the person who helped me overcome my fear to introduce coaching to my teams that I used to work with as a Scrum Master. So that's a big thank you from my side.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. And I see how this came out very, very well. actually. Yes,
1: yes. Actually, it has shaped my, my career as a Scrum Master massively before I was doing more or less Scrum by the book. And uh, then I transitioned more and more to become a, a one-on-one leader, I would say. And yeah, that's a big, big kudos here from my side to you.
0: Awesome. Thanks a lot.
1: Yeah. And for the listeners, um, a quick introduction here from Alex. He started as a trained software developer back then in Spain, and then he transitioned into different positions. He worked as a scrum master, become, became the CTO for a smaller company, worked as an agile coach went then back to work as a developer again, and then found back on the right path <laughs> and became a Scrum Master again, um, and is now an engineering manager, if I see that correctly. Yes. And you're about to start for Meta pretty soon. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: All right. Can you tell me a bit more about your uh, whereabouts? Like, How come you started as, a, as an IT person, basically a technical developer, and then transitioned pretty much to, to a soft skill oriented yeah. profession.
0: Well, you know, you know what? Um, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, many times I'm referred as a very interesting profile because I have technical skills, but I have this coaching that is almost, not, not like unstable, it is like a, a, a gap or a limbo because it's not very common to see that, right? And I must say that it was pure need that make me uh, uh, go into this into this path. That as an engineer, I used to be very logical, very uh, strict, you know, very kind of square mind uh, person. I was having clashes and I was having conflicts all the time. And clashes with uh, like team internally or with, with superiors? teammates, or or as a leader, I was a disaster, really, really a disaster, you know, because I was leading uh, from an from a position of authority completely. And then at some point uh, here in the Netherlands, the thing is that I I always was able to deliver results and to make people deliver results. So somehow I managed to compensate a little bit, you know, but I was pretty much annoying. And at some point here in the Netherlands, but it was amazing because what I discovered when I started learning coaching was completely different. I wanted to have another tool and it changed my life. You know, it really, clear my agenda so i i think that somehow i went into this path just because i need somehow maybe i didn't know or maybe i knew uh unconsciously that i need to fix myself and this could be something that could help
1: interesting so you it was actually a self-need that led you to study coaching and just um we both know there are different um definitions of coaching when you talk about coaching, what kind of coaching do you mean?
0: Yeah, well, that's a very good, uh, that's a very good point indeed. Uh, when I talk about coaching, I, I mean the coaching from the International Coach Federation, basically the coaching that says uh, <laughs> everybody uh, everybody is capable. Um, everybody is uh, no matter your skills or aptitudes, you can achieve a lot of things. Probably different people can achieve different things, but everybody can achieve. You know, everybody can have a, have a, an amazing potential, and this this is the type of coaching that would help you liberate your potential, achieve and 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 be happy. You know, this kind of coaching that the answers are all inside you. You just need some help to let them out. Okay, it's so you... coaching as in teaching or training that's that's not the kind of it's more the kind of personal growth and achievement
1: interesting and did you did you know about coaching when you started as a scrum master
0: no not really not at all you know uh, i think the first time maybe the first time that i heard the word coaching was uh, was here in the Netherlands and i was doing a scrum master for almost 3 years
1: and the the transition Back then, I mean, we we have people who listen here who have never worked as a Scrum Master, with people who listen who are already Scrum Master and would like to advance their career. And we have people who have already transitioned out of being a Scrum Master. Now, you basically have gone through all of those stages, and I would like to kind of jump in time. What made you change from from software developer to Scrum Master,
0: um, and and what were
1: your biggest learnings?
0: In a lot of companies, what happened is that... um... Engineers take the role because companies say, hey, we want to be higher we want to do Scrum, we want to do Kanban, whatever. Usually, companies start with Scrum, It is kind of more generic, I don't know, and somebody takes the role. And that happened to me. One day, I I was in this company, I started kind of, we were three guys, and somehow I became the team leader and eventually the IT director and eventually the CTO. And one day, the CEO of the company, in the beginning, he told, we need to manage the processes here because we're building stuff, but sometimes you guys are working both on the same thing or nobody's working on something. I mean, we need to manage a way to understand what's going on. And and he said, "I, I heard about this thing, Scrum. And he threw me a book, you know, and say, wow, Scrum, okay, let's read the book. The book was actually quite uh, quite nice. It's a it's a very old book, but it's still the only book I have read about Scrum that is very, very practical. You know, it's a very small one. So if, if people want to take a look at that, it's called Scrum and XP from the Trenches. It's very old because nobody talks about XP, uh, mm-hmm. extreme programming anymore. True. But it's a very, very practical implementation of Scrum. And then it took us one year. You know, it was uh, test and failure, test and failure. We did, uh, basically, I was the Scrum Master. I was working as a team member as well. And it took us one year to manage to become predictable. That is the biggest, uh, it's, it's the biggest it's pivot easy, easy. Point, yeah. point, when things become predictable. But I think that is the magic moment. If you are able to make a team predictable and it's extremely easy, then uh, you can call yourself a Scrum Master, in my personal opinion. And a lot of, I think a lot of people do, do like this. Uh, you are an engineer. You need somehow or. The company wants to do scrum agility and you start taking uh, duties as a scrum master if you like eventually you become certified i really like it i got obsessed i remember in that time that they say wow but this thing you do you look back and you correct what is grown right you adapt this thing works for everything i can i can do scrum for absolutely everything to plan a trip with my family to uh, lead a company lead a process a project to whatever and i, I really became obsessed i remember that we tried to do scrum with sales with marketing mm. for some departments it kind of work for others sales people completely ignore us you know but uh yeah that that's how it started with me i really really like it that's why i decided to focus on this in the beginning
1: very nice and you touched quickly on uh, certification did you ever get certified or did you just learn it by doing
0: i learned by doing it was only after two years that I said, uh, it would be nice to be certified, you know, because I at that point, I was kind of starting to think uh, about uh, moving to another company. I said, okay, that's probably going to help to have the certification. I did a training, which I didn't appreciate much in that time, but uh, probably it was more about myself than the training mm-hmm. itself. But yeah. I must say the certification helped a
1: lot. The certification is usually pursued out of the need to get a job or to get promoted or something like that. And very often after the training, people realize that it was actually quite helpful.
0: The training, as I said, I didn't appreciate that much because, I don't know, I think I was too much in my mind. I was thinking, I came there saying, look, I, I have been a Scrum Master for two years and there was a lot of people, like you said, they wanted to get certified to get a job as a Scrum Master. So somehow... I was all the time comparing myself to them, judging them. You know, that's something I Mm -hmm. have been doing, judging people all my life. It took me a lot of coaching to understand that and meditation. And uh, I didn't enjoy that much. But the certification, I did enjoy a lot. When I studied the 16 pages of the guide to pass the certification, I learned a lot of things. So actually, if you think these 16 pages are not going to give you much, I would like to challenge that thought because actually there is a lot uh, there. And even if you are doing Scrum for two years, like I did, you can discover a lot of things there. So it's actually, as you said, it's really, really nice. After you do the certification, you discover that you have learned a lot. And which certification did you get? Um, Scrum.org.
1: Okay, so the the PSM one? Professional Scrum Master level one, I I guess.
0: uh, Yeah, I think so. It was back in 2015. But yeah, I think it's PS, PSM, right? I probably do yeah. you remember better than me.
1: <laughs> I, I just got the PSM one and that was in 2015, 16 or so. Um, and I never used it until 2018, 19 or so. Um, so for me, it was completely the other way around. Theoretical input first, no work experience, and then jumping into the cold water. Um, but that's why I'm, I'm really interested in hearing the stories from people and mm-hmm. also hearing what value do they see in those certifications? Because there are so many providers out there um, for beginners, intermediate um, and so on.
0: Yeah, I I have took several courses. You know, later I transitioned into IL coach. That is why I wanted to make more money. I just put IL coach on my LinkedIn. It's, uh, Did that something. work? yeah unfortunately it does but then later i discovered that there is that there is really a thing with an i a coach you know that is where you combine a lot of coach coaching um so for Scrum master i did the certification i was doing scrum i have my method i have this secret souls that i can tell uh later that is how you can make things uh, uh predictable and that is yes, a point you know but then we Start talking about IL coaches at some point. Let us come master for a while. What is an IL coach? So, basically, the name uh, comes from Lisa Atkins, as far as I know. There is this book, Coaching IL Teams by Lisa Atkins. That is by far the best book on agility I have ever read. I never managed to finish the book. I think that I read kind of half of the book or something because it, it was so slow for me. Every page has a very powerful reflection uh, generated in my mind a very powerful reflection you know because it was all the time making me think but yeah but what what she's saying here i had that yesterday i had that last week or last month you know that's true and I, I could have done this it's really really a very very good book and and this this woman is acting she started the uh IL coaching institute and she has this training she's not active anymore but people continue with her labor. And um, she has this uh, IL Coaching Institute and they split the role of the IL coach into I uh, I don't remember, but it's kind of four or, or, or several things. So basically you can have, there are three backgrounds. There is like a, a model is like a, like a start with a four plus three plus four other things, or so a lot. But you can have three possible backgrounds, right? Technical, that was mine. Business, if you come from a product owner, if you're very business oriented, the other one I don't remember, then uh, as a coach, there are four things that you should focus on, facilitation, teaching, mentoring, and coaching, and then you can say what's the difference between, uh, if the difference between teaching and coaching is, diff- is difficult, what's the difference between coaching coaching? A mentor. And they explain this very, very well. And then the, the ah, and then the other thing is agile knowledge that you should understand what agility means. So that that's wonderful. And I think that if you are able to to be proficient in all these four uh, uh, disciplines, teaching, coaching, mentoring, and facilitation, then you are going to be a very good Scrum Master, coach, whatever you want. But the thing is that the name Agile Coach it looks like it comes from the point that. Some people do Scrum, some people do Kanban. What did you do? Both? Are you going to be Scrum Master? Are you going to be a Kanban Master? What are you? You are an Agile Coach. That's what she said. I invented the name just to put together Kanban and Scrum. that's interesting. And people made a lot of money out of that. They they thought that it was like a seniority level. Yeah, that's how
1: I see it. Normally, um, how people perceive it, right? I'm a Scrum Master now. In five years, I want to be Agile Coach because that's usually. Um, In in SAFE, they call
0: it release train engineer. And for me, it's the same. I always thought it was the same, you know, but in theory, for for this Atkins, an agile coach is a person that is able to do Kanban, to do Scrum, to teach or or lead or whatever, uh, serve uh, Kanban teams, serve Scrum teams, and has a very good uh, uh, insight in coaching i think that's uh in my opinion at least that's that's the big point so
1: yeah well that that was then the transition from you as a scrum master to an agile coach right and at one point you actually decided to leave your job as a scrum master and become a full-time coach for your own company
0: okay yeah that that's that's a very beautiful story so let me let me really tell that the thing is that i was a scrum master working in a company in the Netherlands, and I got the opportunity to do this IL coaching training from the IR Coaching Institute. And one of the things is that there you're gonna learn a little bit about coaching. I think it was the first, even if I have heard the word, but okay. it was the first time that I experienced coaching, that I saw coaching and actually volunteered. During the training, they pick a volunteer to do a, a coaching, a small coaching session. I volunteer on the mentoring one, actually. That is, mentoring is basically uh, a lot of coaching with small chips of advice. You know, it's like uh, teaching is a lot of advice and no coaching. Coaching is just uh, questions with no advice. Mentoring is mostly coaching, like 90%, 95%, small pieces of advice, according to this model, to this guy. The thing is that the first time, that you go through a coaching session if it's a good one it's kind of a spiritual experience you know it's very very intense and that is what happened to me and after that day I say I want to learn coaching I'm going to do whatever it takes to learn coaching the next day when I came to the office I sent an email to everybody all at company.com uh, and uh, I want to be a certified coach. I, uh, in order to do that, I need to practice. If any of you want some free coaching, please contact me. Uh, of course, I'm not uh, <laughs> that proficient, but you are not going to pay anything. So That's a um, very nice trick. I mean,
1: for everyone who wants to get started, um, that's a very cool idea. Maybe if your company is big, don't send it to everyone. But mm-hmm. in general, I mean, it, it's... My manager- very-
0: was very, very pissed off. Oh, it was very peaceful. Why, why you send this to more than 300 people? What do you oh, think? Wow. Are you going to spending your time in coaching people from sales or marketing? Why not? It is good for the company. Why not? No, so, that's how
1: I see it as well. I mean, I, I work as an external and I coach other externals because I truly believe coaching has a profound effect and it helps the company, right? I mean, primarily it serves the person who is getting coached, but obviously afterwards it benefits the company massively.
0: Uh, absolutely. Yeah, I can, I can put an example. So you asked. You started the whole question with, uh, "Why did you transition to having your own company? You quit your job to have a, a, a job as a coach." So, so the thing is, these people thanked me, but thanked me in a way they were grateful in a way that I have never seen before. I said, "Man, mm. but this feeling—I mean, money is not going to give you that." Sometimes I think these people that make that amount of money and they are kind of, you know, I don't know, thinking about. People that initiate wars in neighborhood countries or whatever, they can make a lot of money, but no one gives a shit about them, you know, it's just money based. But this this is such a, a real connection when people tell you thank you in tears because you have changed my life. You know, and, and with no financial transaction. Right? You're a professional coach. Hopefully, you will make something. That's why I decide. I want to try this. I want to, to do this for myself because there is nothing so uh, rewarding.
1: Like, And then you said, basically, if I can make it in my teams, I can make it by myself, right? And yeah. I think you started... Um, during or after
0: the pandemic started? At the same time, I remember that I was registering myself in the KBK, in the Chamber of Commerce in the Netherlands, in the beginning of February 2020. And I think the first lockdown happened in March or something like that. So it was a very uh, inappropriate time. You know, So probably I didn't succeed. I always use this as an excuse. The the truth is that I don't like marketing and sales. And I really like coaching. But after eight months, I found myself spending maybe two, three hours uh, of coaching per week and, and 50, 55 hours of marketing, minting and, mm. and sales per week. And I said, okay, it, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do this anymore.
1: I, I actually like your, your approach to marketing pretty cool because... I found you in a meetup that said, what was it called? Like coaching something
0: Switzerland or, or coaching Zurich, something like that. I don't even remember the names. It was something about discovered. There were some groups called Discover the Arena Leader or, or coaching. Yeah, coaching yeah. Switzerland. Yeah, I don't
1: yeah, know. So eventually I thought I'd meet some some local people, but then you ran it out of the Netherlands, right? And we, we had some group sessions. Mm. And I think I just liked your approach because you were really to the point. And I thought, hey, why not try it? And then I became one of your customers and boom, you changed my life. But obviously, um, I think that's also interesting for people to know. Um, I had similar experiences like you, uh, seeing that really strong connection with other people, sometimes seeing people change from being grumpy to very happy. I had one guy who came to me in a coaching session. He, he was super skeptical at the beginning. He said, yeah, well, you know how I think about coaching, but, you know, let's just try. Um, a month later, he tells me, hey, my friends actually just told me that they think I'm way happier. And wow. I didn't even ask them. I didn't do anything on purpose. They just think I'm happier. And I think that kind of comes from the conversations with you. It's like, yes, wow. I made a change in a person's life. And, and I have similar similar feelings thinking, oh, if I could do that the whole day and provide those kind of experiences and, and uh, turnarounds to people. Um, that would be great. So I can totally see where, where you came from. But of course, business um, yeah, has a different reality. And I think when you realize that your own company wouldn't work out, you became a engineering manager. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, yeah. So actually, I said, because... I was kind of trying, you know, we, we had savings, I had time. I said, okay, I'm going to spend kind of one year at least. I'm going to give me one year kind of, not sabbatical, but jobatical, in a way that I'm going to pursue this dream. And But but something happened. It was because of the pandemic that my, my wife was made redundant uh, as well. She was working for a company. They lost a lot of contracts and they started laying off people. And she was one of the, of the chosen ones. And I said, okay, then probably now I'm it's safer that I look for a job. So I was looking for jobs as what I was doing. Well, I actually was looking for jobs as an internal uh, coach, but that's very weird. At least in Europe, uh, I didn't uh, find any any option, any uh, 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 vacancy. No, similar impression here. Yeah. And then, uh, then I said, okay, then I'm going to look for IL coach or scrum master. This is what, uh, something that I really liked. Uh, and there was only one company i apply only to one company's engineering money that's the one that i got actually or at least the fastest that i got and i said okay why not because as i told you before i was working for this company in spain where i became uh, the cto but my leadership skills were really really terrible and i really like that that part i i like a lot the coaching the agility the delivery part but i also like managing people, helping them to grow in their careers, because that's the responsibility of the manager. And I say, wow, wouldn't it be great if I can combine both things? If I put the coaching, my technical background, also my uh, IL kind of uh, uh, um, background experience all together as a manager. And, but the thing is that as I didn't have like direct experience as a manager, I didn't apply for managers, but I got that one. It was a, I think it was meant to be, because otherwise it didn't make much sense. And I started working in that company uh, completely with a coaching mindset. I was really ignoring any technical stuff. I remember saying, okay, is this meeting going to be technical? Then yeah, don't call me. You are the engineers. You can do that uh, without me. Uh, and I was really coaching people there. And also one of the teams uh, that was struggling a lot, I said, okay, I'm going to volunteer as a scam master here for one or two months you know i think in the end it was like three months but also it helped the team a lot to 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 be on their on their feet uh, but yeah what what i must say is that having the having the skill of coaching for a manager that is amazing because most of the times is the Peter the peter principle do you know what's the peter principle uh, no The Peter Principle says that you are going to be, in your career, you will be promoted up to your level of incompetence. Yes. And you will never be promoted again, right? So you are doing very well as a scam Master, then you're going to be promoted as a line scam Master or IL Coach, whatever. Eventually, you're going to get up to VIP. Maybe that's not your call. Maybe you are very good talking to people, to teams, but not as a manager handling you know as a senior that's when
1: people kind of respect you because you have a title but not because of what you do and everyone talks behind your back like is that person in that position and for how long
0: exactly exactly so what happened in it is that most of the times you are a good engineer and two things happen the company say well this guy is a very good engineer so if we make him a manager he would be able to create good engineers but this guy is good in building but not in training or not in teaching yeah. people you know other times engineers say okay i need to be promoted to mine because that's the only way to get a higher salary so are, is- you,
1: are you saying if we have a developer who's listening here And he is currently having the opportunity to be promoted to a team lead, for example. But that person actually wants to stay kind of very close to the technology. Would you say that person should decline the promotion? Because what's expecting uh, that person is is basically more training, more coaching, and really the people side of
0: skills? There is one question. There is the meeting test. If you are able to pass the meeting test, then go for the promotion. But if you don't pass the meeting test, please don't do that because you're going to be miserable. If you like meetings and most engineers don't like meetings, then don't be a manager because your job is going to be basically responding emails and going to meetings and creating meetings. If you are the kind of guys that thrive into meetings, that speak up and like a little bit of kind of somehow conflict, whatever, Politics. go for that. Otherwise, if you are the kind of, no, more meetings, then don't, don't do that. That because it's kind of the the, the meeting test is the, what puts everything together. That's a very nice way of putting in meeting test. I never heard of that. Uh, I have seen that many many times. You know, when the kind of guys that say I don't like meetings, they make very bad in general. There are exceptions, of mm-hmm. course, but in general, they make very bad managers because they escape from what they should be doing. That is uh, attending meetings to solve problems. You know, these kind of problems. They want to solve another kind of problems that are coding problems. No, So that is a very, very fast way to kind of uh, at least uh, know that you're going to have a challenge.
1: Okay, go, go to your level of incompetence. Um, no. That's kind of a mismatch of expectations. And I'm thinking of your promotion or of your new job at Meta. And you'll be an engineering manager there again, correct? Yes. I was wondering, what was like the, the key thing that Meta said, yes, we want to have you in that role? Look,
0: um, I don't know yet, you know, because of course I, I didn't join yet. But hopefully, <laughs> I will get to know better uh, later if I talk to my colleagues. But the the interview, this kind of company, these big high tech companies, um, they uh, they do very weird interviews because most of the times in Europe, when you are testing technical skills, you ask people to do a code assessment or something that is something that is very similar to what you do. Uh, during your work day, right? But the American companies, they have these puzzles. You need to solve these kind of crazy Mm -hmm. algorithms, things that is something that in general, you never ever use. And you need to talk a lot about algorithmic complexity. That is something that I have never in my life used until I prepare for the interview at Meta. But actually it's, it's quite useful, I think. Knowing this could help a lot, <laughs> to But in any case, most of these coding things you don't know, so you you need to prepare a lot. If you want to pass an interview, you need to prepare. I study a lot, really, really so There were. Can, five can you interviews. quantify like what what is a lot for you? A lot is during five weeks. I was uh, starting to study at 7 a.m. Studying for two hours, uh, two hours, two hours and a half wow. before work. Then studying for another two hours after dinner. Uh, this having a two-year-old son that. Makes everything uh, more complicated and spending the whole weekend. For five uh, weeks, I didn't have a weekend. I just decided, okay, I'm going to try. And I'm, I usually play to win, you know, so I put mm-hmm. all the meat on the stove. If so I'm going to do it, I'm really going to do it. I guess they took you because of your
1: dedication, not your technical skills.
0: Yeah, I think I passed the technical ones. I barely passed. I probably did good enough. But I remember the first interview that I did the last when you get to the final part of the interview is what they call the on-site that is not on-site anymore since to COVID it's remotely and it's five interviews in one day the first one was with a head of industry that is kind of the head of advertisement for some specific industry aviation or uh, uh, I don't know how you call it like restaurants or something mm. like that gastronomy or... and, and during the interview I show a lot that I care about the people that I live you know and this something that really comes from the coaching i was i was telling her i remember this question she told me tell me about a tough situation where you need to get rid of someone i told a guy that we tried to coach. i tried to coach i gave a lot of feedback tons of feedback this guy for some reason he had a, a lot of defensiveness he was incapable to say the truth you know he was always thinking that he was in danger i don't know what he was thinking i wasn't in, on his mind but it felt like he felt in danger all the time. And I really try to look, you need to be more vulnerable, to be more honest, transparent. If you're stuck, let us know. It's the only way we can help you. Otherwise, I'm gonna fight. And of course, I scared him more than it helped. But initially, at least I need to try, you know? And well, eventually after a couple of months, uh, I just offered him a severance package and, and he left. And, and she told me, but you fixed the problem. I say, no I didn't I mean I fixed the problem for the company. what we about him. I didn't manage to to help him because he left, and probably he thinks that it's the company fault He's not able to see what he was doing wrong and-
1: mm-hmm. some of our advanced listeners might say, well, you should have increased the psychological safety right yeah, make people feel they can open up and
0: yeah, I don't know what happened with this guy because most of the people felt quite safe in the team but he was completely a different thing you know and she told me wow but this is this is exactly what we need people that care that really really care genuinely care about people you know and and as an engineer usually we try to solve problems but if it wouldn't be because of my coaching uh, experience this uh, two years three years of coaching i wouldn't have uh uh, i wouldn't have had this feedback there so that's, that's, I think that's great. That's, uh, I, I can't recommend coaching more to anyone. I think if, the first thing you need to do if you want to be a coach is to learn how to listen, right? And we listen so bad in general. If everybody would be able to listen in the world, we wouldn't have wars, we wouldn't have problems, we wouldn't have conflicts. Everything would be amazing. People is not able to listen at all.
1: So Fair yeah. Point. And, Fair point. I have a slightly challenging question for you, and I was wondering if you had the chance to now, let's say after a few years that you work for Meta, someone would offer you to work as a Scrum Master again. Would you take it?
0: It's a little bit out of context, but why not? You know, depending on what what are the circumstances, what are we gonna do? Uh, maybe it's a position where. It's more about the purpose than, than the role, you know. Maybe uh, we just need to create a good team to to save the whales or to save uh, to fight the climate change with a new technology that is amazing. Or, you know, I I think there are there are a lot of uh, possibilities that I would take it. There are many many things that I'm not talking about money, just talking about mm. many other things that could uh, influence that. Yeah. If no? if
1: it wasn't connected to a good purpose, would you still take it?
0: No, absolutely
1: not. Okay. No. Is is that because Scrum Master is kind of a step back in your progression as a professional, or is it because it's limited in the scope of
0: work? Or? Oh no no no. Sorry, I I didn't understand the the last question. I thought that it was a company with not a good purpose, and it yes, no, would we'll be connected not to the role but to the company. Uh, no, no, it's the same. It's the same. Why not? I, I had a very, very uh, good time as a Scrum Master. And, you know, as a manager, I have been doing, during the, the last uh, two years that I have been working as a manager, I've been doing a lot of Scrum Master, but really, really a lot. I have been facilitating dailies, retrospectives, a lot of stuff. It's something that I enjoy every day. Because I something that I really like is to be close to the people, to the team, you know, to drill it in the trenches and, I think the Scrum Master is is the leading position that has the most capacity to do that. As if if you want to be not as an individual, individual contributor, but as kind of a any kind of leadership as a servant leader, that is what Scrum Master is called. uh, You are so in contact with the people. And to me, that is where all the fun is, is where the big impact happened.
1: So what I'm hearing is that it's really more about the mindset
0: and doing
1: these activities and not really looking at, is my job title Scrum Master, yeah. or engineering manager or whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that you just name it. Is if, if you have the Scrum Master mindset, uh, the habit, you will keep doing that, no matter what. As, as a manager, as an engineer, as a VP, as a CEO, you, I think you will keep doing that and you will keep uh, facilitating and challenging people. Very good point. I have one last
1: question. We have reached our time box and I want to yeah. honor that. Um, but I know you you promised to reveal a secret here, your secret sauce okay. about yeah. how to make teams predictable. And you said it's easy.
0: It's really easy. It's really easy. You just need to overcome a very, very big impediment that is most of the times on our minds. Basically, the thing is, I'm not talk, gonna talk about uh, story points, not story point estimations or not. I know there is a lot of uh, 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 movement against estimations, but look, predictability is about somehow you need to predict what's gonna happen, right? If you, if you want, you are the CEO of a team, whatever you say, okay, we're having this big project. We want to work higher, we want to deliver MVP faster and then we will improve whatever, blah, blah, blah. But how long? That's always the question. How long mm-hmm. this is gonna take more or less, right? The question that everyone hates. The thing is, you can change what is gonna happen. So if it's gonna take in mind that you find the the really bare minimum stuff that you can put there that is gonna have some value, right? And you remove all the, the refactorings and new technologies and and features that nobody really is gonna use, whatever, and you get the essence. That's gonna take X amount of time. Nobody knows that. No matter what, you are not gonna be able to change that. If it's gonna take one month, that's gonna be one month. It's gonna be two months. And if it's gonna be two months because someone gets sick or because someone leaves, someone joins, it's gonna be two months. It doesn't matter. You are not gonna be able to know that until two months later, right? You can't, basically what I'm saying here is, you can't change the future. That is the switch you need to make in your mind. I have seen unpredictable teams, they put too much on their plate. They try to deliver uh, something in two weeks that is meant to be delivered in one month. So it's impossible. Basically, you can't do that, right? So the trick is, it's not about how can we deliver this, but it's about how can we guess what is going to happen? How can we predict the future? So basically, the trick that I, I learned the trick in this book, Scrum uh, from the Trenches. Um, the trick is uh, that I use this correction coefficient. So let's say you start with the team and you say, okay, we have five people in the team, we have two weeks. That means that this kind of uh, 50 human working days, more or less, okay, then you can remove stuff or whatever. 50 human working days, then what, uh, let's just work. And then in two weeks, we deliver uh, 50 story points or whatever, uh, then you have a baseline, right? What, what I do is that then I say, okay, this is the estimation is uh, one story points per uh, human working day. Hmm. If we use this uh, estimation, this uh, uh, velocity to plan the next spin and we fail the spin, next one, we are gonna uh, multiply by 0.9. If we fail again, 0.8, 0.7. Until you are able to achieve kind of two, three sprints in a row. Once you are able to achieve two, three sprints in a row, then you have the real baseline. And then you start increasing the coefficient. You don't go back to 1.0 because still Mm -hmm. the team is not that stable, but you start increasing the coefficient. And then once you get to 1.0, you can keep increasing that up, 1.1, 1.2, because once the team starts, uh, solving you know getting the shit together they become uh, more performant over time until you find the limit and i have found that the limit uh, the max that i have seen is 1.6 okay. and then the thing wasn't able to achieve sprints anymore but what i'm telling here is that in the previous sprint we were doing 1.5 that means 50 percent more work 33 percent more because it's uh, you are already what you were able to deliver in the previous sprint, you were multiplying by 1.5. So never underestimate the capacity of people when they believe they can achieve things, you know. But first you need to generate this synergy of achievement, you know, right. that, that and then you need to really go down to then be able to go up. But interesting. Story, so not, not taking two big steps and
1: then falling on your face. But exactly literally baby steps and being Best, super uh, super
0: conservative at the beginning but the big the big switch the big thing that you the big uh, change you need to make in your mindset is um, what is going to happen is going to happen no matter what mm. don't try to alter that don't try to change no. that. It's going to happen just try to predict it if it's disappointing it's disappointing then you need to find why maybe it's just because you have very high expectation. I remember the first time that I was telling one, not the first time, I was telling to to one uh, guy in a company here in the Netherlands, Say we're gonna use this correction coefficient and we need to multiply by 0.5. He said, but that is too little. And I said, but why do you care? You are not gonna achieve it anyway. You know, in the previous spring, we we have this estimation, nobody knows where it comes from. We multiply by 0.6 and we fail. So don't you want to be predictable? Don't you want to be able to plan to have your roadmap for the year or whatever based on something that has some uh, truth on that? Or or, yeah. is, or is worse the fact that you think that the team is not fast because it's only able to deliver five? They are going to deliver five, no matter mm-hmm. how you feel. So, so that you, is- you actually
1: don't change what you put into the sprint, but you just communicate 0.5 times what you put into the
0: sprint? No, 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 we change what we put into the sprint. Oh, okay, so you actually okay. reduce the scope of the sprint. Okay. Exactly, so if we say in the previous sprint, we plan, uh, let's say 10 points and still we fail. The correction coefficient uh, uh, before these 10 points was 0. Uh, 0.8, okay? So that means that it was kind of, I don't know, like 13 points or something. Then you you uh, correct that uh, 0. 0.8 and then it, it becomes 10 points. That is what you put in the sprint. It is still you fail. Next time, you are going to multiply by 0. This 10, the average of the three last sprints, you are going to multiply by 0. 0.7. Why? The reason is you really, really need to make it easy for people. Mm-hmm. And eventually, when the people start achieving sprints, they are going to be achieving very little. You know, it's going to be very, very easy for them. That's fine. That's okay. You can afford that for two or three sprints, you know, because then you start going up. But the team, then they know that they are capable and they are going to fight for that because every sprint what's going to happen is that the last day of the sprint they are going to be almost there Hmm. all you need to do is maybe one extra hour one extra effort to be a little bit more sharp that day and then you will achieve because they know that this is possible and that really changes everything very nice
1: alex when people want to connect with you how can they find you
0: they can find me on linkedin is uh uh, linkedin whatever I'll, I'll is Alex Barba the, Coaching I'll put it that's, up in the show the one. notes they can find me there they can find me on Facebook most likely Alex Barba I don't know maybe there are a lot of Alex Barbas uh, but uh, yeah all right cool I'll, I'll put the link up in the show notes
1: Alex thank you so much for being here I had a very interesting talk with you
0: and yeah speak to you in one or two years see how the story <laughs> hopefully not that far. But yeah, definitely. Thanks, Simon. It was a pleasure. It was a really, really nice conversation.
1: Thank you. Take care, Alex. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you got value out of this episode, please share it with other Scrum Masters. If you have feedback for me, or if you want to recommend a guest for my show, please let me know via www.scrummastercareers.com. My name is Simon. And this was the Scrum Master Careers podcast. See you in the next episode.